Welcome to Healthy Brain, Happy Body, a podcast from the Northeast Region Biofeedback Society. I'm your host, Dr. Saul Rosenthal. We're talking with some of the speakers coming to our 2022 NRBS conference, where the focus is stress, anxiety, and burnout. Today, our guide to the healthy brain and happy body is Dr. Robert Turner, a clinician and scientist with extensive experience in adult and pediatric neurology. He's one of the go-to EEG analysts for developing brain maps and neurofeedback training plans. He also has a long-standing interest in the environmental factors that impact neurology. I talked with him about EMFs, electric and magnetic fields like Wi-Fi. Our brain and nervous systems creates its own electric magnetic field, and when two fields interact, they change. We're constantly exposed to EMFs, and there is a growing concern about the impact of these fields on our neurology. EMF or EMR, electromagnetic radiation, essentially, in my simplistic way of looking at it, everything in the universe is electromagnetic. It's composed of frequency, wavelength, either very, very low frequency um, or high frequency. So it's the energy that is in us and surrounds us. Sunlight is EMF, the environment that we're swimming in more and more which is one of my concerns, uh, is EMF or EMR, electromagnetic radiation. You know, sound is along that whole frequency. The electromagnetic spectrum that we all learned about in school is um, that that whole thing that we live in from the very, very, very high gamma frequencies to the infra, 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 low uh, orbital planetary frequencies, things like that. <clears throat> and then we live in this area of frequency where we're exposed to increasingly wider and wider bandwidths of short wavelength, high energy uh, bombarding us that uh, is affecting who we are as humans. Now, a lot of the concerns over the years for EMFs have seemed um, all over the place and not always supported by data, but there's certainly been a lot more uh, research and information collected. So what can you confidently say these days about the effects of EMF on health? The evidence I think is overwhelming. Um, usually when I have this discussion with people, if they're in open to discussion, or when I do presentations, I don't know if we'll do that at the conference, but I go back to our scientific history in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s, when I remind people in my profession who were the ones that were endorsing smoking more than any other profession. It was doctors and nurses with scientific publications, with scientific evidence. And to get over that was huge. It wasn't really until the 50s when things started changing, realizing the incredible dangers of smoke. So. The evidence is there, but you can find, uh, I can show you websites that everything is safe, just rest assured. And I think we can learn from history that when we hear that, it's not always true. So I always encourage people, I give them resources, do your own homework. The evidence is overwhelming. So I keep an active list of about 250 of the most recent articles on aspects of electromagnetic radiation 
including the simple stuff with screens, the blue light effect, which sometimes people roll their eyes, but it is absolutely an issue because as humans, <clears throat> we aren't, we weren't created to stare at light. Now, don't go to the light, but um, in the 100 years ago, when TV, electronic television was invented, we changed our human paradigm and started staring at a source of light instead of using light to illumine the room or, or what we're reading, things like that. We started staring at light. So now we're seeing the astronomical rise in eye-related disease earlier and earlier macular degeneration. But light, as you know, is processed in the brain. And so that's why we're seeing, I think, measurable changes in the brain from either overexposure to screens that aren't blue light protected, which is easy to do and virtually free. You, you mentioned sleep. What impact do, does EMF, like blue light uh, and other forms of magnetic, electromagnetic fields have on sleep? So there's unbelievable amounts of literature and I think a huge amount of common sense when it comes to the scientific foundations. The, the, what the initial physicians and dermatologists went through to get sunscreen, you know, they were usually the people that are looking at things like that from a safety human standpoint are kind of weird. And, and you get ostracized. And now we go, of course, we're supposed to wear sunscreen. Of course, we're not supposed to smoke all those things because of the harms of excessive exposure. So sleep, the traditional sort of single paradigm is that when we're exposed to more and more EMF and 5G is taking us to a whole new level above the frequency of microwave ovens. It, for, the difference of 4G and 5G is very, very logarithmic. But even from screens, the blue light, if we think of that visible spectrum, the Roy G. Bibb, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, we call that from screens, the blue light effect, which is really violet, almost ultraviolet in the frequency. And when we're looking at that through the day and through the night, we, we, we've taken, we're altering our basic circadian alternating rhythms, but one of the neurochemicals that's affected the most is melatonin. So that's why there's such a, so much melatonin being taken and other medicines to help people get to sleep or stay asleep. So sleep problems, as you well know, aren't just sleep initiation, sleep maintenance, waking up after 10 hours in bed, I got a full night's sleep and just I'm dragged and all that. So melatonin, uh, what I have in some of the slides, you see this, what's supposed to be a normal, healthy pattern of what melatonin does in its cycling. And it tends to go up later in the afternoon. So we get more of a natural peak of melatonin as we're getting later in the day. So when it's peaking, we're going to bed but we're altering that at least with screens because light decreases the excretion of melatonin. And that's why companies like Apple and others that have put on like night shift, you may have heard of, and they, it says turn on night shift at night for a better night's sleep. And my analogy for that is that's kind of like waiting until three in the afternoon to put on sunscreen. 
you know, it's affecting us through the day. So if it's a bright day and you have a blue light filter on, and there's free ones that I always tell people about to use. And then when I'm on screen or reading, I always use just $10 blue light glasses or prescription glasses if that's what people need. But the, the blue light glasses are as important as sunglasses. So mel- it's far more complex than melatonin. And mm-hmm. And EMF, electromagnetic, environmental electromagnetic man-made radiation affects every neurochemical system in our body. So that's why the effects are so varied and so pervasive and cumulative. The same way if somebody has their first skin cancer diagnosis when they're 60, then they can say, oh boy, I better start wearing sunscreen and all that. Well, we're still doing all that, like when you're working with clients, they're coming in finally because the straw broke the camel's back. Here's what I need help. And so you're trying to guide them into overall better health. So you're mm-hmm. suggesting more of a preventative that we should be using these protections against the blue light, whether it's glasses or the, the, the light shifting technology. Mm-hmm. We should be using them even before we have a problem. Prevention is better than the cure. We've heard that. The first do no primum no mercere, first do no harm stuff that we were supposedly taught in medical school. And I always say as physicians, we're doing the best we can, but we've been so pushed into crisis mode. When I go to these different hospitals that I help at in different locations around the country and see all the kids coming in, we're literally just we're triaging the wounded and sending them back out with the seizures and all this stuff that we're seeing more and more of. For years, I've said we are supposed to be healthcare providers. Often, even though we're doing the best we can, we become disease managers. But if I say, hi, Dr. Rosenthal, I'm Dr. Turner, I'm your disease manager, that doesn't go over very well. Right. Healthcare provider, but we're so busy putting out the fires. And at least in my experience in the practice and doing health positive focused care, once you could get people to buy into that, it's so much better. And probably 70, 80% of the things that we see get better first. So I, I spend a lot of time with, have done with families, with kids, people, colleagues, um, talking about what I call my MEDS approach. It's not copyrighted. I just made up the acronym of MEDS, move, eat, disconnect, sleep. Those are the four cornerstones of health. And then there's a second tier of that where I talk about mindfulness, energy medicine, um, diaphragmatic breathing, and spirituality that take us even deeper towards a more healthy lifestyle. But we're not moving much more as a society. We're a lot more sedentary. So I tend to stand up at my standing desk in the morning, then I lower it and sit down in the afternoon and eating the brain-gut connection, as you well know. And then the disconnecting, it's not just the time on the screens and the social media and all those other issues. I have a quote that I usually start when we do the, we'll do the presentation from Dr. Robert Becker, who in the 1970s, said, I have, he's a physician, he's the one that helped understand bone uh, magnetics, PMF for bone health and bone healing. So there's good stuff we can do. 
He said, I have no doubt in my mind that at the present time, 1970s, the greatest polluting element in the Earth's environment is the proliferation of electromagnetic fields. And we've known for a decade or more what we've done with mammals, and migratory patterns of animals and things from our electromagnetic pollution, as they call it. And this isn't a call to get rid of it all and go up to Mount Everest, but it's affecting us because we're electromagnetic beings. What might you see on, e on an EEG for somebody who's, had, who's having exposure? Uh, sometimes I, I take a, a cell phone and put it up to the um, EEG just to show that it, show, it throws signal. But what might, might I see in a, a person's EEG if they're having a lot of exposure? I think long-term exposure, which many of us have already had, we're starting to see a gradual decrease in the posterior dominant rhythm. So I look at that in the context, because I know we have the normal is 8 to 12 hertz, right? That's mm -hmm. the, and so if somebody's 8.5, we call that normal. Well, if you're a 30, 20, 40, 50-year-old, maybe 60, 70, that's not so normal. Um, so I look at that. But the other stuff that I keep trying to find and, and to look carefully for, I think it is also it, EMF effects are also associated with neuroinflammation. That kind of makes sense. If we get too much sunlight, we get inflammation, sunburn, you know, and then long-term you get other effects. So I think I'm seeing elevated data, 20, 30 Hertz, higher spectral power of faster frequencies in a brain that's more driven, but that you have anxiety and medications and all kinds of other reasons for that as well. So I think we're looking more and more for markers of neuroinflammation because so much now is tied to neuroinflammation. Mm. Sleep and neuroinflammation and gut are at the root of the dementias, Alzheimer's and things. So I look at that, at the overall slowing of the background, how quickly they're getting sleepy. I keep coming to this left more than right, temporal, frontal temporal dysregulation. You may have seen this in some of the reports where there's little blips, definitely asymmetric between the two hemispheres of intermixed sort of brief, slow, often with sharp, not always spikes, but sharply contoured. Something's blipping in the temporal frontal region. It, I wish it was black and white like this, and it's not, but many people when they use their phone, less, less people are using the phone to their head because of the warnings that are out there, but still you see that phone to the head over time is you might as well just stick an antenna. That's why using Bluetooth is sticking an antenna that's constantly receiving and transmitting. That's not good for us. So I'm seeing these left-sided changes. So slowing in the background, sleep, left-sided more than right. And I think the left probably has reasons, not because everybody's using a phone on the left side, because obviously they're not, but the susceptibilities, the differences between the two sides of our brain. You know, our, our heart is mostly for most people on the left side. You know, we've got some asymmetries. You know, is there a vascular difference between the heart on this side and creating pulsatile effects that create more susceptibility to electromagnetic injury? I don't know. So a long answer. I, I just start looking, and then that prompts me to start looking at the sleep history. Or, as you see frequently in our profession, when 
somebody falls asleep quickly, oh, well, go send them for a sleep study. And that's great. Send them to a sleep doctor, do a sleep study. How good are those? I mean, they'll show maybe some apnea if they have obstructive apneas, but sleep studies aren't look, they're not going to pick up the things that we need to be looking for as clinicians. That comes from knowing what our sleep environment is of our clients, our patients. Where is the EMF and how do we make the bedroom EM electronic free? Like, mm. Get stuff away from us, move the phones. How still every week I run into somebody who's got their phone either right by the head side of the headboard or under their pillow. I guess one of the things I'm thinking about is, is sleep in general and that it seems to be uh, there seem to be just lots of increasing complaints about sleep or issues related to sleep, even if sleep is not the primary presenting issue. Uh, and certainly, there's there's pretty good evidence of the connection between blue light, for example, and sleep problems. But it seems like it's bigger than that. So I wonder if you have any comments about how sleep seems to be changing for us these days. It is far more than just the blue light. So when we traditionally think about melatonin and we tell people, you know, get electronics out of the bedroom, it's so much more than the local effect, which is the light. So there's the time we spend on screens, there's the blue light effect, not just time on screens and social media and all that, but the blue light effect. And the third one is the environmental EMF. That's the soup that we're swimming in that we don't see. And I, I, there's a, I always point people to a really good uh, video from NASA that basically shows what we're swimming in more and more now than ever before. The stuff we don't see, touch, smell, hear, taste. It's a, it's a hidden environmental toxin that we that is absolutely affecting us. And so the as I said, the typical things have focused on melatonin. Again, the curve goes up, and when we're getting too much of the so-called blue light, then part of which isn't good. We need good light. Light's good for us. It's such a wonderful thing. So go outside, get away from the screens. But what happens, I think, is when you look at the typical healthy sleep hypnogram, if it's showing, the deepest, probably one of the most restorative cycles we get is the first cycle at night. When we are looking at effects from environmental EMF and blue light, it will affect particularly, maximally, that first sleep cycle. And if somebody goes to bed at midnight instead of 10 o'clock, it doesn't just shift all those 90-minute sleep cycles. We basically lose the first one, which is the one where we get the deepest stage three and four. So we lose the most restorative sleep. And then you may spend six, seven, eight hours. You hear people that spend eight, nine, 10 hours in bed, but I, I have no energy and I love that. Well, that means your sleep is not restorative. I'm certainly hearing a lot more complaints uh, from my clients about sleep, uh, and I think it's been going on, I mean, the pandemic, I think, has made everything worse. I think it's been going on longer than that. Maybe maybe mm -hmm. it just has been a sort of 
quantitative increase. I agree. What What are you seeing? Because you, you're looking at people's EEGs and you're seeing sleep problems in in, in those. What, are you seeing more of them as you're reviewing EEGs? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I've changed when I use a basic template, which I use as a framework for many of my EEG reports. I, um, I've changed it just because so many of the EEGs have onset of drowsiness and the character, you know, slow rolling eye movements, which we often don't see the way we record typically with EEG. It is so common. It was common before, but I think you're right. The, the pandemic has pushed us inside. It's pushed us more on screens. Inside, we're saturated now with our wireless and our boosters and people aren't turning off their router at night. So we're sleeping and being exposed to EMF, you know, electromagnetic radiation 24 seven when we don't need it. At least with the sun, the sun goes down. It's again, analogous if people are coming to see you and they say, you know, I've, I've had this flaky skin and then I had this funny looking lesion and they're kind of all over and I, I need some new salve. I need to figure out what's going on instead of saying, Maybe there's something that's affecting this. When I work with, with people, and I work with a lot of adolescents and families, one of, one of the first things I try to get them to do is get the, get the phone out of the bedroom uh, and, and try to get off screen. The data show it should be four hours before bed, but I at least try to get an hour before bed. Uh, yes. What, what other sorts of things can we as clinicians do to help our clients? That's such a key question because often when I'm meeting somebody for the first time and they've been multiple places, as you know, it's sort of the fire hydrant, like, oh my gosh, there's so much information here. Where do I start? Screen glasses, blue light, you know, four hours would be great. Who does that? At least an hour. Who does that before bed? But one of the key things it's getting harder and harder to do is turning off the wireless router. Because often the router is in the center of the house where it kind of has better distribution or people are getting these boosters, which again, takes us in a different level. And I, I don't know the status of like 5G boosters and things in houses, but 5G penetrates at least six to seven centimeters into us when we're in 5G environment. It's similar to this technology we use with millimeter waves like at the airport. You know, you go, if they do the scanner, you put your arms up and you see everything. That's 5G in a sense technology. Only instead of walking through a scanner at the airport, we're exposed to it all the time. So limiting, decreasing, especially later in the day, which includes getting off social media, but that's another story. And turning off the Wi-Fi router at night is the thing to do that. And it's, it's challenging to do that moving it. There's a big trend to go back to wired construction. So that's growing back in the industry, although it's clearly the minority, where they're not doing everything as electronic wireless and refrigerator and lights and everything else. Anything we can do that's more wired than wireless without being uh, anti-anything, it's like Use wired headphones if you're going to use them. Don't use antennas on the side of your head. Keep devices away from us. And I see uh, maybe, maybe many people do that. We have this issue in South Carolina 
with swimsuits. And so women, a lot of times, either swimsuit or bra strap will keep their phone in that. And so the, there's been a long, plenty of evidence of increased unilateral breast cancer associated many people with use of phones, keep it away from our bodies. And then you look at the infertility issues, the spermatogenesis issues associated with EMR and electronics use. It, it makes sense if you're keeping an electromagnetic radiating emitting device on us all the time, or if somebody wears a coat, suit coat, and they just stick it many times in their left pocket right over the heart. Mm-hmm. And we're looking, and fortunately, you know, and many people are looking at heart rate variability, which we describe as another tangent. Well, we describe that in the epilepsy world with people with seizures, but that's one of the heart rate variability is poor in people who have sudden death in epilepsy called SUDEP. But nobody's talking about brainwave abnormalities. Why not train that to get healthier? So what is one thing you'll want your audience to take from the talk? An awareness of the changing environment we're living in. And an open-mindedness to ask the question, could this be at least part of the problem in many of the people that we're seeing in our practices? One thing I like to do is called the precautionary principle, where Basically, let's look at if we are electromagnetic beings and we're being surrounded in an increasingly toxic environment, uh, electrosmog or EMF, where we are now living here 24-7, at least be able to ask the question, is it possible this is happening? And is there a scientific basis to understand it? And I think there is. There's a lot of basic science to understand what's happening from that standpoint in the EMR. Okay. You've been listening to Healthy Brain, Happy Body, a production of the Northeast Region Biofeedback Society. Go to nrbs.org to find out more about the organization, including our trainings, monthly webinars, and yearly conference. I'm your host, Dr. Saul Rosenthal. And our guide today was Dr. Robert Turner, an expert in EEG and quantitative EEG, as well as the effects of environmental factors on our neurology. You can learn more about Dr. Turner and the impact of EMFs at the NRBS annual conference. Remember, you can join us virtually on October 21st and 22nd with a 25% discount by registering with the code HAPPYLISTENER at nrbs.org. Subscribe to this podcast by clicking the subscribe here link in the show notes or wherever you get your podcasts. We really do want to hear from you. Be part of this ongoing conversation by contacting us with your thoughts, ideas, and questions at healthybrain at nrbs.org. Leave us reviews as well. It really helps podcasts like this one reach more listeners. Healthy Brain, Happy Body is produced and edited by me. The theme music is Catch It by Coma Media. Be sure to join us on our next episode as we continue to explore the keys to our well-being on Healthy Brain, Happy Body. Mm-hmm.